0: What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top tier NFL content. Welcome to the city.
1: City, welcome in to another edition of the Sax City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy AJ Johnson. Below us, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the am Mukes. Beside him, with a great glare in his mirror that he takes selfies in every hour of every day. He is <laughs> the smoothest voice in sports wow. casting, the reigning, defending, valedictorian, Dylan Kearns. It is a, (laughs) it is a beautiful July twenty second morning here in the city. Episode fifty seven is about to kick off. We are diving into the training camp storylines for the NFC West, including the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Uh, How goes it on this beautiful Friday morning in the city, Aaron?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm juice. I look. I got my chair. I'm gonna lift it up. I got my chair turned backwards. I'm oh, ready. Shit. Um, oh. i actually got oh, some shit, sleep last shot. night so i'm, I'm not ready. super tired i'm 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 good i'm ready to go i'm ready you know rise and shine bitches rise and shine
0: you
3: <laughs> so know awesome. something about sleep last night
0: i do I, I got some sleep last night. i slept right into it i basically woke up before the show got to the studio said let's do it i'm ready
3: hopefully aaron, aaron <laughs> that's a smooth move with the backwards chair like that that means you're the cool uncle at the barbecue
1: yeah, uh, yeah, the cool
3: old uncle that has bad knees. Yeah,
1: whatever. I was about to say that—that's aching and groaning and moaning every time he walks. He's like, ah. And ah. I don't, I, I'm going to interrupt
2: Vinny one time today. I know for sure. Um, I'll we'll get to it as you kind of get through the first part of the show. Uh, because I have I have something to come at somebody for today. Um, and I just want to bring, but play a little like uh, re like I want to revisit the past for for a quick second. Um, uh, today, so I'll bring it up in a little bit. Wanted to that throw I that out the there. Don't get mad when I interrupt you,
3: Vinny. Uh, once you get to it. Uh, no, this is me. All right. <laughs> and all right. It's got to be one of us. <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into the
1: biggest headline from our from the morning. Yesterday, the Arizona Cardinals gave Kyler Murray a five-year extension worth $230.5 million. That includes $160 million guaranteed, making him the second highest paid quarterback with an average of forty six. Point one million dollars per year. Dylan, your thoughts on the move
3: from the Arizona Cardinals to lock down their franchise quarterback? Beautiful. That's how you do business, uh, Mr. Kime and company, in Arizona. I mean, are you serious? That that's the way you do it. You lock up your guy. You know, they, they tried the strategy for years, right? Where you you don't pay the young quarterback, you let him play out his rookie deal and. Uh, You build your team around that with DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt, and those big contracts and stuff. But there comes a time where you need to pay that quarterback. They allocated the contracts well with padding front and back end to some other guys, and it allowed them the cap space to say, hey, let's lock up our superstar talent. No more drama, no more houses for sale, no more baseball talk. He's got five years and and 200-whatever million, and he's ready to play some freaking football for the Arizona Cardinals.
1: I like the way you said that. I like the way you put that. They, they structured it to make it work. And we've talked about on this show many of times that the salary cap, it it really just doesn't exist. Like it's there. And the best GMs, the best owners find ways to make it happen. No matter what we see it with the Rams, everyone asks every year, how do they keep coming up with this money to pay guys like Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, where are they getting this money from? Well, it's the way that these contracts are being structured to allow these teams to get that money to pay these players. And that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did here to pay uh Kyler Murray. Not that they were like strapped on cash or anything, but that's a big that's that's big money heading Kyler Murray's way.
2: Yeah, Kyler Murray, but I, I think we've called this, right? I think everybody that was freaking out five months ago, we said, like, hey, it doesn't mean anything back in April, May, June when he's talking. Hey man, I'm putting my house up for sale. Hey man, I'm not happy with the organization. We kind of all knew this was coming. We knew they would get the deal done because today's NFL can't just let a franchise quarterback walk out the door like that, especially as young as Kyler Murray is. Uh, So it it wasn't shocking to me. The one thing that first thing that came to mind, and I know we talked, we actually talked about this division yesterday was Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson sitting at home, like, thank you, because Kyler Murray gets paid. He hasn't done anything Lamar Jackson hasn't done already. So, and less to be honest. So, uh, Lamar Jackson's in a great spot now to have that leverage to Baltimore and say, hey, pay up. You don't yeah, have absolutely. to give me Aaron Rodgers money. I know I haven't done what Aaron Rodgers has done. But you gotta at least give me Kyler Murray Curry money or Kyler Murray money. And that's gonna be nice for uh for Lamar Jackson. Really sure?
0: As nice. a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I bet he was happy as hell getting out the car because he walked in there about five minutes after the news broke and walked into Baltimore's uh facility. I'm I'm sure that that smile was just ear to ear. He may not have been showing it, but up here. Absolutely. Like I'm former MVP. The guy that you've been putting me up against since basically we've been playing together in the league is Kyler Murray, because he's the other guy you think about when you think of a young mobile quarterback, who's really been quote unquote successful in the league so far. So yeah, Lamar Jackson, he's up and representing himself. Now he has some more leverage as well. The only thing like the Kyler Murray. And, you know, we talked about structuring the contract. So it works. I, I might've liked to see the total be a little less and then the guaranteed money be, Closer to fully, you know that's the thing that these guys, at the quarterbacks are, who they're putting all their their eggs in one basket, are getting these guaranteed contracts, uh, especially when they're younger. And you think about the Sean Watson, who you know is going through turmoil in the NFL and all the news around him, except for we can't wait to see him play. Isn't that positive? And albeit the Browns, he gets a fully guaranteed contract at two hundred thirty million. You know, with all the conversation Kyler put up and so on and so forth. You would think maybe they would have got him a fully guaranteed contract as well, but either way, the deal got done. He's ready to play football, and maybe he'll be back here three, four years renegotiating for another big, fully guaranteed contract.
1: I like the Lamar Jackson. I really like that Lamar Jackson point because this is he's going to get the bag and Baltimore, I think, is going to end up giving him the bag. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. But we'll end up going through the same drama where maybe Lamar unfollows Baltimore and then changes his Twitter bio seven times in the month of February and everyone I loses their money. shit. <laughs> yeah, and this is something, some games it's are played like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, speaking of games, it's Funny Games Friday, and we're going to get into our NFC West training camp uh, previews.
2: Okay, we got to stop. Gotta stop. This is where I'm going to interrupt. Because you're done with
1: headlines, right? There's no more headlines? um, No more headlines.
2: Okay, this is a football show. And this may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but I just want to dig in somebody right now because they've been, uh, they just, I don't know, they're wearing a funky-ass shirt. That's why I decided to bring it up. Uh, This is a football show. And I know we don't talk about college. But there was another big deal today. And since I'm repping Georgia and I'm now here in South Georgia, I feel the need to rep a little Bulldog. A little Georgia Bulldog got paid today. Head coach, Kirby Smart who I believe, I believe if I'm not mistaken, we were doing our national championship games last year when it was Bama, the playoffs at Bama and Georgia. And there was one person on this panel that said, Kirby Smart just can't get it done. I believe I heard that a number of times. Kirby Smart can't get it done. And then he goes on and he gets it done. And then he goes on and becomes the highest paid college football coach of all time at $112 million, the biggest contract, or the, for
3: the most money that we've ever seen in the sport. Um, Dylan, what do you have to say for yourself? Congratulations, Kirby, you did it. I am so <laughs> proud of you you, you, <laughs> <lost record. laughs> you this is a well-deserved contract. I know that it was a long time coming. I know you've lost a little brother or Big brother Bama uh, for many, many years, but you find found a way to come on top this year. That's the way you do it. Uh, you come on top and, and you have a great year. And that's exactly what he did. He went out there and had a great year. So uh, he got paid for it, got rewarded, and uh, he's going to be splendid. We're uh, re- re- reeling in that dough. So uh, hats off. Hashtag Trevor. I don't forget when you make silly statements like, "Hey, and to, that can't point, get it. to that point, to that point, I was I was waiting for him to do it, and he did it. Congratulations! No one's having the same conversations about Matthew Stafford this year either." I agree. I said I and believe me, had you said that about
2: Matthew Stafford, I would have brought that shit up too cuz I did to many friends about people that are so quick to just dismiss and I've done it before. I've dismissed people and people have made me eat my words. So, in return, I have to make it. I'm going to so be shout out bad. shout Glad out Georgia. Shout out, people, out Kirby Smart. Um <laughs> shout out Dylan for that that wonderful soliloquy <clears throat> of apology slash congratulatory speech that you
3: gave to Kirby it was heartfelt. I am going I mean, to say, I've known Kirby it. was going to do it.
2: I've got Oh, a little shout out to my boy Vinny. A little shout out to my boy Vinny Nesquik, a. strawberry style, because we don't drink on this show.
1: Only booze and, and Nesquik. I got one more thing for Dylan. I got one more thing for Dylan. <laughs> there <you laughs> shoes, bro. Hey, that matches your shoes, shirt. Bro. shoes, bro. Mad, That matches your right. shirt.
3: <laughs> Quick, quick, no thing quick, thing quick. I don't see <laughs> the <that>. shoes. <laughs> They're not jammies. It's a Hawaiian shirt, AJ. Hawaiian? That is, it has an Italy flag on it. How is it a Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> no, like... <laughs> you know I, the difference. between like, a Hawaiian shirt with an Italian flag? Google, okay, Google We Hawaiian might not drink shirts. on this show, but it's a button-up. It's called Dylan, a button-up.
2: Dylan, when up, you Google Hawaiian shirt, I guarantee a shirt with Italian flags don't pop up. I this is the dude a Hawaiian shirt. I this kind of dude, no, this comes up
1: first. I'm I'm telling you, Dylan is just so just so simple minded that he thinks any button up <laughs> shirt is a Hawaiian shirt with desi- with any type of designs oh, on it. It's automatically a Hawaiian you know, shirt. Dylan, Hawaiian shirts have like flowers and stuff
2: like that on them. Not anthony rizzo and an <laughs> italian flag <laughs> okay <laughs> that's not hawaiian
0: this is when anthony rizzo was hanging out in hawaii in the off season <laughs> that's my guy that's my that's my guy and what's that's even
2: funny. funnier is this boy has a hat on it's the american flag on his hat so <laughs> what, is, what is going on here
0: he's an
1: italian american get a
0: job with the united nations and shit <laughs> <Like yourself. laughs>
1: I well, yeah, I am an that's, that, that that's that that's <laughs> accurate. But uh all right, let's get into our Funny Games Friday game real quick cuz we want to get into our NFC training camp preview. So this is going to be maybe hopefully a short and sweet game. It's our list this game it's back. I need you guys to name me the 10 least followed NFL teams on Twitter. Last a few weeks ago, we did the top 3 most followed teams on Twitter. Now I'm giving you guys as a group effort Tell me the top 10 least followed teams on Twitter. AJ, kick us off. Ooh, all right. Uh, I am going to
0: start the Seattle Seahawks.
2: Uh, Incorrect. I can't, I can't hear anything. I couldn't hear AJ. What did he say?
1: Seattle. I, he said Seattle. I, I, Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, and that is incorrect. I'll say the Jaguars. They don't know the no- watch their game. The number one team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The least followed team on Twitter is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dylan.
3: I don't think football works in
1: Florida. I'm going to guess Miami. The Miami Dolphins are seventh on this list. Uh, the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are not on this list. AJ, you stuck. Two strikes. (laughs) Two strikes. The Chargers. Nobody
2: follows the Chargers. They're an LA team.
1: That is correct. The Chargers are on here as the third, at least the third to last. Me? Yeah, that's how it works, Dylan. Okay. (laughs) The Minnesota Vikings. That is incorrect. One strike for Dylan. Really? All right. Denver Broncos. And AJ is out. Wow. I thought about Denver. Too. <laughs> Denver is not on this list.
0: Twitter famous. Twitter famous.
2: <laughs> I'll go with that Tennessee
1: Titans. Oh, you that, dog. That is number two. That is the second the least followed team. I, was
0: team. Say, I swear. Football. You guys, ha-
1: you guys have the bottom three the Jaguars, Titans and Chargers. Then you also have the Dolphins on this list. Now I'm going to be honest. There's some teams on here that I, I was making this list and you saw, you might've heard me during the pre-show meetings. I was like, I don't. You got to think about other things other than just whether a team is like good or. But yeah, like,
3: got it. Yeah. Go All right, Dylan, what you got, man? Arizona Cardinals.
1: They are on here, they are fourth. You guys now have the top, the, the bottom four. I'll say the New York Jets. The New York Jets are the 10th, 10th team on this list.
3: Wow. Uh, I see one. Cincinnati Bengals?
1: That is correct. The Cincinnati Bengals are ninth on this list. You guys have one, two, three more teams to go. Aaron does not have a strike. Dylan has one strike. AJ, you can uh, one of you can phone a friend, aka AJ here, and bring Hell him no, in. no! i ain't gonna vote
0: the guy that got missed three I in a row. Homie. I went <laughs> over for stay. three. I wouldn't find me.
1: <laughs> I'll say in the Indianapolis Colts. That is correct. The Indianapolis Colts are eighth. Now, two more teams remain.
3: This team has a good social media reach, but I don't think their fan base is big. I'm good, just gonna guess them. Is it the Carolina Panthers? That is incorrect. And if you, and also you
1: are partially stupid because in our last show where we did this list, you actually said this. You brought up the Panthers, and I said, yeah, they're actually the third most followed team or the fourth most followed team in the NFL.
3: I am aware of my stupidity. Carry on. (laughs) Um,. Can you can name the teams I've already
1: listed? Can you name the teams we've already We've got, got the Jaguars, the Titans, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Colts, the Bengals, and the Jets. Two teams remain. You want? If you want to hit, I can tell you what conference. No, I'll nope. take the other. Oh, shit, I almost spilled out of my chair. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, my goodness. For There is no back. I'll take the other L.A. team, the Rams. That is correct. The L.A. Rams are on this list. One team remain. Think about my favorite quarterback.
0: Ah? Quote no, unquote
1: favorite quarterback.
3: No, no, no. And
1: if they, and, and if you were to take AJ's guess,
3: Dylan, you would be out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Anybody Gosh. in that NFC East is not going over three point five. Just kidding. It. Um, <laughs> AFC. I'll go Houston Texans.
1: That is incorrect. Oh, Aaron, you are the lone that's survivor. Go. That's where I was going to go. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> the Jaguars, Titans, and Colts are on this list. The Texans are not. They are not in the bottom 10 of, of, of least followed teams. We already said the Miami Dolphins. We did, yes. yes. Jaguars, Titans, uh, Chargers, Jack- Cardinals, Rams. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is correct. That is the final it's team too. on the list here of least California, followed teams. California, Florida teams that they don't, people don't like follow them because they got
2: so much other shit to do.
1: I thought I I, I didn't wow. I didn't factor that in. These are the least followed the ten wow. least followed teams in the NFL: Jaguars, Titans, Chargers, Cardinals, Rams, Bucks, Dolphins, Colts, Bengals, Jets. Fellas, a few of these teams we're talking about tonight. I almost said the Texans. Well,
3: Florida doesn't do sports. No, oh, they don't. They don't do they're not, it's no, they're no, not no sports.
2: But listen, listen. This is it's not. There's so much to do that they, they just don't have that following. Like, there's just a lot of other things to do. The reason why the teams in the Midwest and down South, like, aren't South in Georgia. South, there's not a lot to do. They follow their sports teams. They're very passionate. Those other teams are fair-weather fans. It's the same thing in L.A., outside of the Lakers. Everybody's just a fair-weather fan. They don't have real fan
1: base.
3: That's yep. so sad.
1: That's the way it works. Even the Tampa Bay Lightning, I just looked it up, even the Tampa Bay Lightning don't have a really good following for, for a fan, fan base, and that's one of the most successful teams in the state of Florida. So
0: all right, you just watched Tampa win championship after championship after yeah. all. We were so Still, close and nobody cares. Fairweather
1: fans, man. They'll yeah. they'll show up when
0: they're when they're
2: winning, but they're not dedicated, so they're not going out and following Twitter it's, that just say, big it's not, fans. It's not that They're, not it's fans. Really, they're good man. fans.
0: They just like, Well, now I'm not gonna go on Twitter about it because I have other shit to do. I have to go to another game. Can't nah, just
2: fans, bro. It's a good
0: thing we're talking sh- we're not talking about. They show about- up when
2: they're winning. When those teams start losing and they're not winning, nobody's at the game.
3: It was too freaking hot. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, They're yeah, at that, the beach.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that that is that's the biggest thing. The, the, the the, it, issue. That exactly, the exactly. All the right. freaking
3: home games in September, they get freaking well, nowhere now, else to go it's this, too hot. Then they come well, back they in like November and they're, they're already one and six. They don't get to this, schedule their games This year they only
1: have one home game in the month of September, which is very nice. Um, but that was our funding games Friday game. We are now about to get into our NFC West uh training camp preview, AJ. Can, Tell them where they can follow socials, us. Can you guys stop making that excuse about it being too hot?
2: Because no, nobody in Green sure. Bay is complaining when it's zero negative fifteen. They're out there with no shirt on, dancing with their big old bellies in the frozen country. They're still showing up to games. It's they sell out every game.
0: That's, That's not what I'm saying. They're selling out and complaining are two different things. We complain, but we still go do the shit we complain no, about. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm
2: saying is, he's saying there's there's people not at the stadium because no, of the heat. He's they, wrong.
3: Because no, it's no, it, not just, wrong. Because one. Chad Khan charges six bucks for a water, and people are passing out. Every it stadium it it does me. that, Dylan. It what it I'm means. saying is, they're it not me. the
2: only stadium that has inclement weather. The, pro, you the, difference, the difference, the difference is those fan bases that are true, pure, dedicated fan bases show up no matter what. Jacksonville
1: doesn't have that. Benny, because they're trash. trash. AJ was right. AJ what? was right. What did you say, AJ? Say it one yeah, more time. I don't mind
0: oh oh because they're
1: trash <laughs> say it one more time for the people in the back
0: because because trash
1: so the jaguars <laughs> the have not jaguars. given the fans a reason trash. to show up and die in the, the 100 degree weather the green bay packers have given their fans a reason to show up in negative 30 degree weather case close <laughs> we're moving on aj please tell the beautiful people at home where they can follow us at
0: i will also tell you that the jaguars are trash And you heard it here, not first, because we've been saying it for years, (laughs) at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We, as always every day, appreciate the love that you wonderful, not fair weather fans give to Sac City Pod. So keep it up. Hit those follows, hit those likes, hit those loves on every social media platform on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And of course, rock with us on YouTube every week. Wednesday through Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. And if you can't catch the video, guess what? We are on audio on all podcasting platforms. So go ahead, hit the follow there too. Leave us a review. Hashtag
1: GMSC. Good morning, sexy. It's NFL time. It is. It is time. To get into our training camp preview for the NFC West, if you guys wanted to or missed any of our previews from yesterday morning's show, it is now available on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. Like AJ said, the AFC North, I should say, was the teams uh, the teams we covered last night. NFC North night kicking off with the Los Angeles Rams. AFC they, NFC West. Jesus Christ, NFC West. Whoa. There is so much. There's just so much like. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. NFC West is what we're talking about tonight. The Rams are kicking us off. They show up to camp and they get things started on July 23rd. They lost Andrew Whitworth last season. That's probably one of the biggest storylines heading into Rams camp. Now with Andrew Whitworth gone, opens up a big time hole on the offensive line at the left tackle position. AJ, what does that mean? Spot look like for the Rams during camp?
0: You know, uh, honestly, for the Rams, that may be the luckiest spot that they have left that they don't have to fill. We know what Andrew Whitworth was. was Andrew Whitworth was. Ah, interesting. (laughs) We know what he meant to that team. We know what he's done at left tackle for years and years in this league. But they had a guy that they were ready to step in. And I'm not saying he's going to be exactly what Andrew Whitworth was in his prime, but they trust in Joseph Nopum. Uh, When we were talking about him, uh, Whitworth possibly retiring the year before, he was a guy that they were ready to step in. Uh, Now that he's actually gone, he's more than likely the guy that will step in. Uh, You know, the biggest problem, and I thought they would address this line a little heavier in the uh, draft, was they also lost Austin Blythe. Uh, and there was another, there was another starting center who they lost as well. So this line actually had a lot of places that they were going to be looking to patch up. And Joseph Nopun was a guy that they were prepared to step into either of those three spots that they were losing. So he's uh, now he's not, not battle tested. He did step in for Whitworth a couple times, played 174 snaps last season and uh, only allowed one sack. So he is going to have to get his reps in and really, you know, get right back up to game speed. Em- uh, immediately, because that left tackle now without a good starting center and a good left guard, you know, is going to be even that much more important. But uh, I think Joseph Notboom, they trust in them. They've been ready for him to step in once Whitworth was gone. And I think you'll see him play that left side pretty well. They're going to need some help in some of the other places on that line.
3: It's not very often where you can look at a starter leaving on an offense, right, and an Andrew Whitworth, and you you know who the backup is. Even a casual fan probably knows who Joe Noteboom is. I wouldn't say casual, but... I'd say that a decent amount of NFL fans know who Joe Noteboom is. And that's that's a credit to how good of how, how often he has played in, in the reps that he's had. To your point, he has stepped in, he has played in the absence of Whitworth. The guy was hurt last year or the year before that and last year and uh, found ways to play football. And Joe, Joe Noteboom was able to get in there and uh, play a little bit for him. So uh, I like the experience he brings. And it's not really that much of. Holy crap! We got to fill this position. Let's have a camp battle. It's hey, this is Joe's position. Let's get him out there, and uh, it, it's finally his time to shine.
0: Quick correction: They lost Austin Bly the year before. Last year it was yeah. Austin Corbett was who they lost.
3: Austin, they had Corbett. two Austins. I, yeah, that's
2: what I was. I was gonna say, but you know, I I don't have as much concern. I guess for the offensive line. I, I mean, I guess there's still a concern there, but. It's not like they got a bunch of rookies coming in and starting. You talked about Joseph Nopum. It's not just last year in which he filled in and played 15 games. He only started two games last year, but he played 15. Played 10 the year before. He has 47 career starts. You're talking about a guy that's been on the field, played at a level where he's seen different defense. He's, he's been familiar with that offense, played in that system. I think he's fine there. And Then you talk about their center. Brian Allen played, has been around. He's 26 years old. He's played three seasons with the Rams. And again, 38 career starts. So I don't think it's a matter of not having experience on the front end there. Outside of a Logan Bruss, who's, I believe, slated to start at right guard right now for them. uh, That's really the only guy that's coming in with real, like, no experience at all. Um, I think it's more about how are they going to mesh together, right? Offensive line is so much about unity and being able to mesh together. And these guys have been kind of plug and play, moving around different spots. Now that they're kind of set where they're at, how are they going to actually mesh all together? And I think at the beginning of the year, you're probably going to see it. It's probably going to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, I mentioned that very first game against Buffalo. I think the Rams are getting blown out. Like, I got to tell you, I, I, told, I said it a number of times. I think the Rams get blown out. I think they're going to struggle early. But I think eventually, as long as they're healthy, they will start to get some chemistry there. Uh, McVay will know how to use them. And they'll get better as this goes on, barring some sort of, you know, catastrophic. On
1: the defensive side of the ball, Dylan, the Rams last year went very deep at their safety position, they even brought in Eric Weddle. They brought him out of retirement to join their team and, and play the safety position. Played a big part throughout the playoffs, but now there's no Eric Weddle. All there is is Jordan Fuller. What safeties should we be looking
3: at to play alongside Fuller in this Rams backfield? Secondary. Oh, baby. Strap your helmets on. It's freaking battle time. Ready? Let's go. Let's make some contact. Let's play some football, gentlemen. Who wants to make this freaking roster, right? They brought everybody in, and this is what I love. We love the competitive nature of training camp and getting ready and who's going to win this position, who's going to take over that. I think Fuller's safe. He's the only one you can say, all right, Jordan Fuller's safe. Um, You got Nick Scott. He's a great special teams player along with being a good safety. Then you got Taylor Rapp, who battled a concussion last year, a little bit banged up in that area, came back for the uh, Super Bowl, was able to play there. He's still pretty solid. I think he could potentially start over Scott. That could be a great battle there. But this is where it gets interesting, fellas. They love Quentin Lake, a 6th round rookie, right? This guy, they love him. They they, they were impressed in minicamp. They love what he can bring to the team. And then you got Mr. Burgess. Mr. Burgess. I mean, he was a third-round pick in 2020. He's got to battle his ass off if he wants to make this roster. I I think Terrell Burgess is one you really got to keep an eye on. That's a lot of safeties. Not to mention they drafted Russ Yeast. Uh, Russ yeast out of no I'm I'm telling you guys a great special teams kick returner there's uh, there's guys that play teams that can make rosters especially in a deep secondary I think Burgess is the odd man out unless he has a very impressive training camp I think they wax the third round 2020 guy but it's going to be a lot of pads popping a lot of competition in that secondary and god I love it I like
2: the Quentin Lake point. Um, he's on it. He's for me, the guy that's going to emerge and end up being the starter, um, and out of that secondary Nick Scott, he's been there. So I think you get, you know, he can play that free safety role. I think he's going to give maybe the advantage there, but Taylor Raps Also, we got to remember, he's a bit of a veteran, so I don't want to discredit what he's capable of. Um, I do think there's talent there. Um, now can they bring out the best, but he played a lot last, year. I mean, or maybe it was the year before, um, He's a guy that's seen the field. I think you start with guys that have experience, but don't be surprised when a young guy does step up in mini camp or training camp, like Dylan said, and takes over that role. And I really like the conversation about Quentin. Like, I think that could be a guy
3: that by season's in, we're looking at and saying, oh, they maybe it found it. I, For- I want to make up one more point. Um, there's a lot of versatility in the secondary too. a lot of guys that can do different things. I mentioned a kick returner. I mentioned a gunner. And then you got, I mean, they play a base too high. Maybe you see more three looks there, but I mean, both Rap and Nick Scott are more contact safeties um, as opposed to free Rangers. So those two are kind of similar. Other than that, everybody can do their own little thing, which makes it an interesting secondary. I remember last year coming into the
1: season, we talked to one of our big Rams uh, analyst shout out Sheriff Joe bags. He came on the show. He came on our show last year and was hyping up and he was very high on taylor Rapp, so i i I always kind of i don't know if i lean that way just because of what i've heard from from him but real quick aaron you are x's and o's guy here what what do we look at here what do we look at during training camp to kind of give us an edge and and how do we determine as fans looking at training camp looking at reports like how do we Find out and determine who the guy is going to be before week one of the regular season. It's funny because I don't think you look at them.
2: Where's Jalen Ramsey? Uh, we saw Jalen Ramsey play a little bit of a different role than he's normally played last year. They were moving him around on the field. They had him playing inside. They had him at safety sometimes. He was that more versatile guy that played all over the field. It would not shock me if they try to do the same thing. Get guys like Darian Kendrick in the lineup more to play that outside role. You might see a Darian Kendrick come in and be on the outside alongside uh, what's the, uh, Troy Hill, alongside yeah. a Troy Hill in the slot. And then you got David Long, still, David Long Jr. still there. And then maybe it's Jalen Ramsey that's kind of roaming, playing that hybrid safety role. Today's NFL is going, it's, it, there is a shift. There is no more like, hey, if you're just a back-end guy, you're a back-end guy. They want versatility. So there are some times where you might see Only one safety actually on the field, and maybe it's a Taylor Rapp, or maybe it's a a Jordan Fuller. But I think you really got to pay attention to what they do with Jalen Ramsey. I don't think it's going to be one guy that comes in right away and you say, okay, that's – I think there will be, similar to what we talked about with the Bengals, somebody trying to fill certain things. But guys better against pass coverage and it's passing downs, that guy's in the game. Maybe you pull him out, and maybe it's a running down, you're putting Taylor Rapp in the game because he's a better guy around the line of scrimmage. So look for where Jalen Ramsey is actually playing. because I don't think he's going to be on the outside this year um, as much as we've seen in the past. I do think Darian Kendrick is going to get some work, some run in there. They really like him. And then you're going to see Jalen Ramsey play that kind of just, I want to go wherever I want to go. So I can go get interceptions. I can make plays and I can cover the best guy on the field when I want to. Um, and sometimes that means playing on the back end. Uh,
1: it wouldn't shock. Okay. All right, that's what I like to hear. That's what I that's what I want to hear because I always feel like, and now that we have the platform to talk about these type of things, I like to find out from you guys, like, as a cat, for a casual fan out there, like trying to follow their team during training camp, what they need to be looking out for, so they don't sound like complete jackasses when there's like a false report or like, okay, like so and so took day ones or took uh, starting snaps uh, this this week, and it's like, oh, what's happening? It's like, oh, this is well, the
2: nice like clearly... I mean, Fans are going to look like jackasses. I love you fans, but we are. Wow. Like
1: fans not fans your fault. Is, we it's it's like not, not your
2: yeah. fault. It's the coach's fault. Their job
0: is to stuff. make us look like jackasses. By I'm
2: saying that for myself as well. Yeah. We are also, although we break stuff down, we are fans. And we look like jackasses a lot because a coach sees something different. They run a different scheme. They decide to do something else. So that's what we do. We look like jackasses by trying to, decipher what these teams are doing i will say this i feel like we have a little bit more insight, a little bit more knowledge
1: so we're trying to like benny well, said do that but so you can look what you brought up was almost like simplifying it by like just seeing Let's who is playing where how they and that, that that's what i that's what uh that's what i like to hear to and give to to our listeners and our viewers that kind of insight that's our rams talk and our rams training camp preview Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals. And, A.J., the Cardinals lost a big piece uh, this offseason. Obviously, they brought in Kyler Murray. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Um, But they lost Chandler Jones uh, this offseason to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, they have J.J. Watt there on, on the edge and moving him around. But who will be stepping up to replace Chandler Jones? Obviously, I want to say this before we get any further in the show. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace the talent and replicate the talent of Chandler Jones. No one's going to be able to step in and be Chandler Jones. Tell me and tell the people at home, who's going to be that dude who tries to fill the shoes of one Chandler Jones.
0: Yeah, that was perfect. You, you definitely you helped me out a little bit, said the first two things I was going to say The JJ Watt, I mean, that's surprising. That's not the focus to me is not JJ Watt. Uh, we understand what he brings as a veteran, but there's some other guys on this squad that, you know, they can put some trust in. And and it's always funny you cut me with these defensive questions at this point, because I always use that word unit. And for the first time, I think that the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to focus on that a lot more than any of their individual pieces because of the loss. Of a Chandler Jones. Now, there was a guy last season, Marcus Golden, who put up very similar production on the other side, also had himself an 11 sack season. And I think he might be the individual that you're hoping can spearhead this. But I really look towards, and it's funny, this is kind of becoming a theme, and we just talked about it. I kind of look towards a versatility piece in Isaiah Simmons. Last year, second year in the league, played his first full 17 games, got a lot of experience, had a pretty great season, 105 combined tackles. He's got the speed, the quickness. Uh, his body's getting a little bit more solid. He's six four, two forty five. 245. I think he's that type of guy that you may move around, and maybe he's not been a sack guy uh, since he's been in the NFL, but they used him a lot in different ways at Clemson, and I think Arizona was really hoping for him to come into his own and do that here in Arizona, and uh, I think you see that this year. I think you may see him maybe get four or five sacks this year while playing anywhere he can on the line. And then they did draft a couple of rookies that they're hoping to fill in and rotate. Uh, we talked about Cameron Thomas a little bit uh, out of San Diego State. They really like his body, his, pro- uh, his player profile. They labeled him as a multi scheme type of player, but the thing at San Diego State was he didn't play a lot of NFL level talent yet. So he's still got a little bit of a gap to really fill in. And we all know I love me and My Jay Sanders out of Cincinnati, but his numbers <laughs> won't show you. His <laughs> numbers won't show, show you. You think was I was cool. going to leave my guy out? Absolutely not. <laughs> Mizey Sanders played on a great defense, though. So uh, he's going to have to come up, too. He, ha- he wasn't able to do it all by himself. I knew he, knew was cool. Cool. I knew,
2: I knew he could not go a whole segment with a, with a prominent Cincinnati player, well, even though he's like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth yeah. on the depth chart, without Y'all bringing his name up. But um, <laughs> I, I think AJ, he mentioned a bunch of names, there, and I think that says one thing. That's exactly what they have to do. They have to have production from a bunch of guys. Not going to. Be. I'm sorry, J.J. Watt, but J.J. Watt is older. he's Not the same player he once was. um Especially when he's going to be the focal point, and he's the one that's going to be double teamed. You're talking about a guy that's a ten year veteran that just doesn't have the burst or the get off that he used to have. He's going on in his age 33 season. um I look. Arizona's defense is bad, and I'm. Mm-hmm. They got a couple of pieces. You talk about the buddha Bakers and uh, Isaiah Simmons of the world that we like, and David Collins maybe. But overall, when you when you start to look at their back end, and we talked about this before, secondary is not very good. They are going to need their front pass rush to get to the quarterback, and the loss of Chandler Jones is such a huge impact to that. It doesn't allow them to get to the quarterback, which is then going to hurt already less talented back end. So I think it's got to be guys that step up, and maybe it's some of those guys that AJ mentioned. Maybe it is a Marcus Golden having a breakout season and getting more sacks. Maybe it's a Kingsley being better maybe it's a you know a foe a too leaky being able to stop the run and allow the pass rushers to get up the field and and make plays so i don't think this is one guy i'm looking at that's saying okay you need to step up i think it's more of a team effort they're going to they're need deep. they're going to be able to rotate those guys those guys are going to have to make impact plays in order for this arizona defense to beat with the rams offense the the packers offense some of these high-powered offense in the nfc and even those the ones that they play in the it's gonna be a team effort
3: Thank goodness they signed their quarterback. A lot more shootouts in that division with the way that their <laughs> secondary is barbecue yeah. chicken. You know, yeah. you can eat, you can get all over it, man. I mean, there's it's all about it.
2: <laughs> hey, barbecue cardinal, not barbecue chicken.
3: Uh, wow. uh wean birds
1: wean birds. We birds. We birds that's what it is uh you know we talked about with the rams I and mean, we kind of broke down what to really look for when judging and kind of determining who's going to be the guy uh in the in the secondary for the rams arizona has a hole to fill with deandre hopkins being out for six games to start the season obviously they brought in hollywood brown to maybe fill that wide receiver one spot but outside of Hollywood Brown, what should fans be looking at during training camp at the wide receiver position, Aaron? Um,
2: I don't want to sound simple, and I know we don't really we don't like I don't think they're looking for anything. I think you're going to get the exact same team that you had last year without DeAndre Hopkins. Still A.J. Green, still Rondell Moore for those trick gadget plays, and then they like an Antoine Wesley to come in around the red zone. He's a bigger body receiver plays with those jump balls. I don't think it's one like there's some special formula they're looking at. I I just see that offense looking the exact same until DeAndre Hopkins back. Now, once DeAndre Hopkins gets back, I think you can start to do a little bit more. Then you put DeAndre Hopkins on one side, Hollywood Brown, you can move around. That's a vertical deep threat. And then you can mix in a guy like A.J. Green on the outside, a a Rondell Moore with the versatility. But until DeAndre Hopkins gets back, it's going to look a lot like the end of last year. It's going to be some big plays to Hollywood Brown, Red zone looks to Antoine Wesley. AJ Green will show up every other game and be like, oh, maybe he's still good again. Like, I don't, I don't know that it's going to look a whole lot different. And I know that sounds kind of like maybe it's not a whole lot of substance. But he just swapped out DeAndre Hopkins for Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown's not better than DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't think it's going to look better. I, I, he's basically maybe a glorified version of Christian Kirk. That's when, That's I what Hollywood me. Brown is.
0: Forgive wow. me, because you just said the name. I was wondering, and this is gonna sound so gross, but it's a question you have to ask because of what they invested in them. Without Christian Kirk and with D. Hop being sidelined for six weeks, do you think they try to get Andy Isabella in there for some deep shots with his speed and whatnot? I said it was gonna sound gross. <laughs> I, I, I
2: think it. I think honestly, I think that's Hollywood. I think Hollywood is taking the Christian Kirk role, and I think you're gonna see A. J. Green, Antoine Wesley. They do like Wesley. Really good blocker. He's yeah. a big physical guy. I think that's who really plays that DeAndre Hopkins role. And then you have Rondell Moore running the little scat stuff. I think Hollywood is more of that Christian Kirk guy.
3: I, I'm, I can't believe <laughs> in Andy Isabella at this point in time. <laughs> so, um, H- right. Don't forget about the better Christian in that in that room, right? The ATL legend, Mr. Christian Blake. Christian Blake, wide receiver ATL. AJ's all about him. So we're something weird on. in my mouth. <laughs> Stop putting words in my mouth. Let's see if let, let's Christian see if. Blake will have two touchdowns this year. Huh? Just, just like 17 games, Christian Blake might have two snaps. Uh, <laughs> just, just like Scrow That's what it is. <laughs> right.
1: that, that's really hey, what it comes down to. Too,
3: I'm throwing a party in his honor.
1: I bet I bet you are. I, I bet you would. All right. Let's move on. That was the Cardinals uh training camp preview. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. And Dylan, I'm gonna start things off with you here. Nick Bosa, obviously incredibly dominant on that defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers. Similar to what I asked AJ with the Cardinals and having Chandler Jones, who's going to be on the other side
3: of Nick Bosa supplying the pressure in a tough NFC West? Yeah, I learned today about a Leo, and I'm not talking about a Zodiac sign. But um, I'm looking at the pass rushers on this depth chart. There's a lot of talented, productive NFL names. You get a Samson Ebucom, who, who played there last year. And I'll give you a weird fact about Ebucom. Not only was he the best player in that Chiefs-Rams uh, Monday Night Football fiesta a few years ago where he had the pick six and all that good stuff, this guy, for three straight years, has had four and a half sacks. You talk about consistency. He played 16 games, 16 games, and then, of course, 17 games. Hasn't missed a game in three years. Four and a half sacks all the years. Guy's consistent, right? You drafted Drake Jackson out of USC. He he provides a different sort of element to that uh, pass rush that he could potentially help out of Nick Bosa on the other side. You got Kamuko Torre, who Colts fans raved about. Um, He he was, he was a nice little piece for their defense and you bring him over and then you got a veteran in D Ford. I know he's not the sexiest name, but uh, D Ford, he's missed a lot of time with injury the last few years, spent some time with the 49ers. Um, I'm telling you, there's enough names with production here that I think they can find a way to get it done. But right now I still think it's Samson Ebicom with hopes Drake, Drake Jackson will eventually take that leap and be that guy come mid season.
0: I don't know if they so much go with the, you know, opposite side pressure. I mean, obviously you want, you want pressure and rush from anywhere you can get it, of course. But I mean, I would look for them to be thinking of that outside inside. You know, you got your Nick Bosa and then you're looking at guys like Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead. Those are the guys that you're hoping can stop up the middle and you really basically want to force this, any offense to one side and then let the backside come and do their job. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying these guys aren't going to be good that you named at all. I mean, they obviously have to play a role, but I think you look towards those guys who have shown it to be at a little bit of a higher level uh, over the past few seasons uh, when you're looking at that front line.
2: Their defense is going to be good. They're the 49 defense is going to be good because of the scheme that they run. Um, and again, I, 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 to AJ's kind of point, I don't know that that's, uh, on the opposite side of a Bosa. I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Eric Armstead, who's been, you know, who's been really good for them. Uh, this is the Javon Kinlaw. We've had our conversations about everything that went down with him and the, you know, San Francisco reporter. Uh, this is his opportunity to kind of step up and earn those, that, those, that round or that draft pick that he was, um, used on and kind of shut down the naysayers. Uh, I, they're just good. They just find that those, those linebackers always. play sideline to sideline. They protect that defensive line from really getting exposed. And then Bose is obviously a superior talent. And then when you add in the back end that hasn't always been the best, but now they've kind of addressed over the past couple of years. We're talking about uh, Emmanuel Mosley, who's played pretty well. Jimmy Ward, who's been there a while, but he's done his thing. And then you go get a Charvarius Ward. Ambry Thomas, who stepped in last year as a rookie, played out of his mind. So I think that's you know, again, another year with him uh, under his belt, I think you're going to run into a situation where it's going to be another kind of unit-style defense where it's going to be Bosa that stands out, Fred Warner that stands out, and everybody else, just with the energy that they play with, is going to step up and, and maintain what the Niners' defense has been for the past. Honestly, their defense has been really, really good for the past 10 years, and they haven't always been good as a team because of quarterback play or Jimmy G being hurt or Kittle being out or Samuel's out. The one constant has been that defense has been pretty solid in that front seven, especially. And you had the guys on the back end this year. I think they're just going to be a solid defense overall. And you know you got the stars in in Bosa
1: and uh, Fred. You brought up you brought up the quarterback position, and that really is where the spotlight is on tra- in training camp and has been in, in the off season and moving forward. It's going to be the spotlight in San Francisco. Trey Lance, the presumed starter. For the san francisco 49ers heading into week one jimmy garoppolo is still <clears throat> on the roster but is this is trey lance's team what should we be paying attention to in training camp for trey lance
2: Aaron? um what what are they giving them as far as playbook-wise are they opening do they feel comfortable enough to give him the entire playbook and i'll say it now i don't think they are i i, I think this is a situation where you're going to sacrifice the now to get the future, they, they are going to be a much they're going to be a, a worse team with Trey Lance initially as a starting quarterback than they would have Jimmy Garoppolo was starter starting day one just because of experience just because of being a young guy. Um, but I think what you're sacrificing there, you're getting a, a better return in the long run. Is he going to be allowed to run the offense to be able to throw outside and not just be stuck to read options to you know one step drops kind of the Colin Kaepernick. Of when he was running that offense, where it's one read, and if you don't have that read, you're taking off and running. If they open the playbook for him and allow him to fail, I think it's going to do him justice in the long run. Instead of, you know, trying to protect him a la Matt Jones. I'm being honest. I think I think the protecting of a a young quarterback who you think is going to be a superstar, I think that needs to go out the window. I think you need to let these guys go out and play, learn the way—not comparing, learn the way Peyton Manning did, where you throw 20 interceptions, but you're getting the opportunities. defenses and grow that way i'm not for the protection because guess what you're two then what now you're opening it up a little bit more and now you got those growing pains again where you have to throw the ball a lot and you're not reading things right so um i want to see them open the playbook and say trey lance this is your team at your disposal full playbook go out and earn that job show us why we drafted you and we traded up for you um, if they do that i think you'll struggle but I think it'll be a benefit in the long run if they protect him. I think you're looking at a guy that in two or three years, we're like, he's going to take the next step. When's he going to become the elite guy? Cause he's not doing it. And I, that's what I worry about uh, with some of these teams trying to protect the quarterback. too.
1: I think it's one of the, I think, I think it's like, this is where we've talked about it in shows prior and shows past, where you have to have patience with your young quarterback or patience with your team here. And you brought up the fact that the 49ers, it'd be best to let him make those mistakes and and learn from them. Fans are not gonna like that this season. I can guarantee you right now, if Jimmy G and I I know, no, I know I agree with with Jimmy G, and this is what we're trying to tell people watching this right now is to have that patience with Trey Lance. Cause it's going to be so hard to not want to give up on Trey Lance because you have Jimmy G there, unless he does get traded, he's going to be there and he is going to be almost like a burden to Trey Lance and his development. Because if he does make mistakes, you know, you're going to get the talk shows and the media and everyone calling for Jimmy G to be the starting quarterback. But what you're saying is let Trey Lance make those mistakes and as a fan watching this show or watching Trey Lance, you need to be patient. Bless you, Dylan. You need to be patient with Trey Lance. Let him I, learn I, and grow. I'm actually not
2: speaking really from a fan's perspective. I'm spe- If I'm a fan, I'm looking at what Kyle Shanahan's doing with Trey Lance. I understand. If I'm a fan, I hope I understand that Trey Lance is going to have growing pains. But are, are we not concerned that if Trey Lance sat all last year, for the moment, sat behind Jimmy Garoppolo, So he had a year of experience sitting behind him. If now you put him in as your starter, you move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and you spend another 17 games babying him, not allowing him to run an offense. Then you wasted his first two years without him being able to run an offense because the next year you come in and you're like, okay, now this is the year where you spread it out and let him play. And then he's going to make a bunch of mistakes because he hasn't done it in live game action. Those mistakes are still going to be there. So now it's year three before he's really comfortable. He's going into his year four guess what year four is it's contract year so now you as an organization are saying i gotta decide do we you know do we make that fifth year option do we pay him do we want an extension like it happens so fast so nowadays i i just believe if you sat him the first year that playbook needs to be 100 percent open the second year you can't say i'm protecting you got to say whatever we were going to run with our elite talented quarterback we have to run it we can't protect him and yes he's going to make mistakes might not be successful but then when we do go into year 3 that's when you hope Trey Lance can say I saw this last year I know what to do now I you know what I mean so I, I think that's what I'm looking for more what Kyle Shanahan is going to do does he trust Trey Lance and I don't know if I don't know if Kyle Shanahan does but I don't know if that was his pick or not. I still think he wanted Mac Jones
0: spicy I think you gotta be past that by now I mean you've got you've had a year with him in your facility you've worked with him you gotta I mean you've gotta see what he's had with enough with enough trust is Kyle Shanahan (laughs) not one of the most stubborn head coaches in the NFL yeah it it can be that but I mean if you You if you spend an entire season season. season. if you spend an entire entire season if you spend an entire season with your third overall pick in your building and don't give him the time of day I mean it's on you then Uh, like and I guess that's, that's that sucks. That's, why, that's my point, I guess, because Kyle Shanahan
2: has a history of being very stubborn, and it's his system. It's He is not a guy that says, I have a talent like this, I'm going to switch my system for this talent. Kyle Shanahan's system is the same as his dad's system. Like they, I mean, obviously he has different variations now, but, right. well, but he's always been like, my system is my system, and I want guys that run my system. It's the same reason why he loves Jimmy Garoppolo. He loves Jimmy Garoppolo. He loved Matt Ryan. He did not. He, i I, a hundred percent believe this. There is zero doubt in my mind. If Kyle Shanahan he had his choice of quarterback, Mac Jones would be on the
3: 40 yeah. he, fit, he fits the quarterbacks that. he likes. He'd win with the Tannehill right now. Like he, those are his type of quarterbacks. Yeah. I, hundred yeah. percent believe that. I didn't, I didn't mean to break
1: out in laughter during that, but I couldn't take you seriously holding up a strawberry Nesquik bottle <laughs> while you were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Talking. You added there. I was like, I couldn't take it seriously. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's end this. <laughs> talk it, talk it on tough with my I want to see it in the comments. I want to see chirps going for the strawberry. nest quick here. Uh, all right. Let's finish off the NFC West with the Seattle Seahawks. And we go from one quarterback competition. Well, one quarterback spotlight to another. And this spotlight, well, the color of it is just turd brown. Because it's between Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke. I'm sorry. I kid. I kid. Uh, but no, Seattle's quarterback situation is the highlight of their training camp. It is one of the biggest training camp battles in throughout the NFL, throughout the entire league. It comes down to Geno Smith and Drew Locke. What will that competition actually look like through training camp, AJ?
0: Man, and it sucks for Seattle if you ask me. Because.
2: Wow, that's the first wow. time he ever said AJ yeah. went to a white man.
0: Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> usually it's me. No, I'm Straight no, up no, lost no, for words. No, 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 no. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, both
0: of them are
2: both of, uh, both oh, of them yeah. are heavyweights, though. That remember both of them are <laughs> oh,
1: somewhat man. heavyweight yeah.
0: and very heavyweight. You mentioned uh, being turned brown and whatnot, and this is another one of those teams that you would love to think that if they were in a place, they might be the guys who go after a Jimmy G, but that I don't think that's the situation. I think this is, you, you have what you have in your building, and you look forward to next year while getting everybody else set. So you're stuck now with the Geno Smith and or a Drew Locke. And the thing about Drew Locke, and Geno Smith is they just haven't had a lot of production. You look at uh, drew lock. He's played 24 games in the NFL an eight and 13 record in three years. They always talked about his strong arm yet. He's has under 200 yards a game under 60, under 60% uh, completion. He doesn't even have double. He has seven, a seven yard per target average. And for a guy who they boast about a strong arm, you think they, and being in Denver with guys like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, you'd think it'd be a little higher. Um, i've never been a huge drew lock fan after his first couple seasons it's because of the decision making i've i've seen him make now in seattle there were reports that they made sure that they got drew lock in that trade it wasn't a throw in it wasn't a swap pete carroll really thinks that him and shane waldron can get this guy to where they have to be and it was a series of denver giving up on him and him not getting a fair shake they're in the building with him. i don't see it i don't believe it now geno smith has been Russell Wilson's backup for the last three years. And I honestly think he has to, it's his job to lose. But at the same time, I feel like they are gonna try to force Drew Locke in there and Geno Smith will take over if Drew, if Drew Locke can't do the job. So Drew Locke has to come out fast and strong in training camp, or they may have no choice, but to start Geno Smith, <laughs> but whoever they start, they're hoping that they're just successful enough because they don't wanna have to bring the other guy in. Although they're ready to do that because I mean, what else are you gonna do at that point? So. Uh, I, I think they really want drew lock to be the guy because they put so much in that trade with him. But you Smith's been there three, four years. He's a veteran. I think to start, in my opinion, until drew lock can show he's ready, he would be the guy I would start the season with unless he shows he's a turd in camp.
3: Well, he's already shown he's a turd. I, I think you look at this. I mean, it's always drew lock. This is a, this is why it's bad for the national football league, but that's just a whole different conversation here. Looking at the, looking at the true battle, What do you mean if Drew Locke's ready? The guy's in his third year in the NFL. He's like he's ready to play football, right? This is I mean, he's gotta be ready to play football. This is what you can't sit back and say he's not ready because you can't groom him. He's been there two he's played two years in the NFL, one as a backup. And this is a spot for him to potentially slide in and be a starter. I think this is his his job to lose, and, and I don't think that there's a shot in hell that Geno Smith starts week one.
0: It's his job to win. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, well, I understand. I agree with Dylan.
2: I don't I don't think you make that trade as with Geno Smith as a backup, as, as old as Geno Smith is, as, as long as he's been in the league, you don't make that trade for Drew Locke and then say Drew Locke's gotta earn that job. I think Drew Locke has the chance to lose that job in training camp, which again, I think it has to be like this. If they're even going into the year, Drew Locke's gonna start. Like that's yeah, because the upside I can agree you're, with talk, you're talking about a guy and the Drew Locke conversation is fair. I, I don't want to come on here and defend Drew Locke. But we're talking about a guy with NFL arm talent can make every throw. The physical attributes are there. Everything with Drew Locke is right here. So yeah. if yeah. you get a quarterback, a coach that says, we can fix this, we can get him to take the check downs, read a defense, to do those things, there is no debating the arm talent is far superior. Yeah. Smith. So the difference there is what you worry about, what Geno Smith has intangible is the leadership that Geno Smith has. And the, the locker room in which Seattle has raved about the teammates of Gino Smith love Geno you know, Smith. But I think there's no doubt that I think Pete Carroll and, and that front office want Drew Locke to be the yeah, guy. I think he's going to get every opportunity to lose that job. You so, know what
0: so, what is, so what so what so what I'm saying at that, and the thing, to Dylan, what I mean by ready to play, of course he wants to play football. He's three years in, and he was a highly touted prospect. He thought he was going into the NFL to go gangbusters, and that hasn't been the case. What I mean by it's his job to win is the fact that Geno Smith has been there and understands the system that they're running. So if Drew Locke isn't ready, as in he isn't up to speed, as he hasn't put, he hasn't got the strong concept of the offense, well, you're not going to put him out there to fail because that's what happened in Denver. You can You can ruin his career. If he's not if he doesn't have the full grasp of what he needs to do by week 1, that's what I'm saying they'll let Geno Smith go until Drew Lock is ready. Now, like Aaron said, I do believe that they're even. Yeah, you put Drew Lock in and you, and you bring him along. But Actually, if he's not point. if he's not ready to, to know the offense then he can't go. If you if you start Drew Lock week 1 and you bench Drew Lock in the middle of the
2: year, you can't go back. If if Geno Smith starts the year and you bench him, he's been there before. He's done no it. Big deal. You, he can come back in week 10 sit week 11, play week 13. Like, he's familiar with that role. Drew Locke is not, that's not a, a three-year guy. That guy's thinking he's supposed to be the man. If he goes in and gets benched, that's going to be a problem. For him. That, that's one thing I do agree there. I think with yeah. Geno being the veteran that he is, his mindset is, I know what I am now. I'm a guy that, I, I could start for a team and we can tread water and be okay, but I know I'm not going to be the franchise quarterback on an NFL team now. I truly believe, believe Geno Smith knows yeah. that. So I think he's, he's more equipped to start the season, get benched, and Drew Locke come in and struggle, and they bring Geno back in, and you're not going to have Geno being like dropping off. It's going to be the same Geno that we've always yeah. seen. So I do agree with that point that that AJ. That, Good that punch in the funny. jaw,
3: turn the man into a leader. <laughs> I, I like that take. I like that take. You know what? You know what? Uh, quarterback competition. This reminds me of a few years ago. Remember AJ McCarron, Nathan Peterman. They were battling it out. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but both of these guys are better than both of those. Yes, yeah, both of all. But this is like yeah. their shot at starting and stuff. I know they had a Josh yeah. Allen. They, yeah. they didn't plan on playing him. They had the two there, and McCarron. That's fair. That's ball fair. Ball going in preseason, and then they tried Peterman, and then they're like, "Shit, we got to throw talk this about kid out here. talk about brown shit stains." That's
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: quarterbacks right there. Yeah, the other brown. Shit I mean, that, guys, hey, the sad part is Nathan
2: Peterman still roster. Like that—that's yeah. the sad part—is he still yeah. has a job? And there's guys yeah. out there that don't. Like that's a problem. AJ yeah, McCarron's doing college football and stuff.
0: <laughs> Wait, you almost got that, a job that yesterday. Almost but, got a job yesterday, but Josh Rosen beat him out.
1: Josh Rosen. Yeah, he got beat out by Josh <laughs> Rosen. AJ McCarron doesn't do college football, by the way. That's not—it's Greg McElroy you're thinking of. Wrong Alabama uh, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of those grubs. Yeah, they there yeah. That that's that is accurate. Um all right, that does it though. That was good talk on the Seattle Seahawks. That's real I'm sorry, Dylan, I don't want to end the show on shitty linebacker talk. It's not that's linebacker. What... We switched a corner and I got a page here, buddy. Okay, oh. all right. Dylan, tell us about the Seattle Seahawks cornerback battle uh to end the show.
3: I got quotes from Pete Carroll, boys. I'm ready. I'm telling you this is legit. I love Football, I'm telling you, more competition in the I love football. I more, love competition. football. <laughs> more competition <laughs> in the secondary, right? Now, the Seattle Seahawks, this is the second straight year they lose their starting cornerback. Oh, Lord, what do you do? Well, you sign a bunch of veterans because that's exactly what they did. Farty Burns from the Bears, former Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback. He comes in there. <laughs> uh, you got Sidney Jones you made the trade with last year from Jacksonville. You bring Justin Coleman back. Then you draft a young Kobe Bryant, who he's just a vocal leader. He's humble and hungry. He shined in minicamp. They love what he's bringing to that team. You got Trey Brown, who was a beast last year before he got hurt. Uh, He he, he could start, uh, pending his injury status, waiting on an update out of their camp. Tariq Woolen, a fifth-round 2022 pick this year. Uh, He's got flashy upside. The guy can absolutely play. Um, I mentioned second straight year, but uh, Jones and Burns, they were the starters in minicamp. Bryant and Woolen were the backups, the two rookies they were ready to play. Trey Brown, I expect to slide in there at some point. And what, what Mr. Pete Carroll said about Justin Coleman. Now, that's a veteran coming over from Miami who's also been in this Pete Carroll system. That's a very competitive spot for Justin to enter into. Don't be shocked to see him get an ax and get some uh, papers handed to him on his way out of training camp in Seattle. But uh, that's the, a that's the look at their cornerback position there. A lot of competition, a lot of young rookies. And I think those, those two roles of the old scrub-up corners that have been busting the league will drop down, and the two rookies, Kobe Bryant's going to be flashing just the way he was at Cincinnati last year. Seattle's defense is going to be much improved. They're going to be one of the
2: more underrated defenses. It's going, to, it's going to be predicated on their offense. Can they hold the ball and not keep them on the field a lot? The stats might not reflect it at the end of the year, but their defense is going to be much improved over what they were last year.
0: From where they ended last season to what they brought in, I think they actually did a much better job than expected in their secondary. When you look at some of these guys, and yet they're unproven, but there are a lot of guys that we are high on. I love the talk about Tariq Woolen, uh, Kobe Bryant. We, we were high on them in draft season. We were high on them in the fact that they both went to this team because that's something they need to be along there with Conjay Diggs and Jamal Adams. That secondary, I'm not saying they're great, but they, they're definitely going to be better than what was expected going into this year.
1: Yep, yep. That does it. For our NFC West training camp, what? What do you want now? What? Somebody, you got some turbulence in your audio or somebody's audio? Is it? Is it me? I I I do hear a little bit of static, but I—if it's me—I will fix that to end the show. All right, now I'm on my MacBook microphone, so it'll sound a lot different because I'm just trying to end the show. I still hear it. Okay, then it wasn't me in the first place. So fuck you guys. This is great. It's oh, not. And also AJ's last night when you said it was me, you. by the way, once again, I'll just
0: let y'all know now, anytime there's echo, it's Dylan. 100%. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that because I take his audio out and the echo's gone. <laughs> it's not Well, me. we mute you, me. you and the echo's gone. I don't know why that timing happened so beautifully yesterday, <laughs> but I promise you it wasn't me.
1: <laughs> All right. That's enough of this show. We'll be back again Wednesday live at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube at the SAC City Podcast for our AFC West training camp talk until then, for your boy AJ Johnson, for my best friend Aaron Mukes, and for old Skronek himself, Dylan Kearns, <laughs> I am me. We will see you Wednesday! So, it's Amina Rizzo. <sighs>
0: Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population, One more.